Welcome to Weather Hype, a podcast where we talk about weather, climate, and how it affects you. I'm Min. And I'm Castle. And today we'll be joined by Jennifer Sari, a forecaster at the National Weather Service office in Huntsville, Alabama, and Trevor Boucher, a forecaster at the National Weather Service in San Antonio. Both Jennifer and Trevor have worked with the deaf and hard of hearing communities, and we're excited to have them on the show so they can share their perspective. So stay tuned. Weather Hype is coming your way next. In three, two, one. Now I'm the reason why you broke up with him and got back together Thought I was sunshine, but baby, I'm bad weather I'm off the Doppler in the five-day forecast By the time they hear me, I've already pushed the shore back No, no, I wasn't always like this Skies cleared soon as my daylight lit Sidewalks dried up, no snow emergency I could take you February and turn it into spring I when I get gone, I get gone And I don't need any one to know better Hey, everybody. We're joined today by Jennifer Sari and Trevor Boucher. Thanks for uh, being on, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, of course. Trevor, you had a, uh, you're a little bit tired, you said, a little bit earlier, right? Oh, yeah, the life of a National Weather Service employee. I, I've uh, worked four <laughs> midnight shifts in a row, which is actually not that many. But uh, when, when you work your last one, you uh, sound kind of like a zombie, hence my uh, Twitter handle, ZombieTrev5K, you know. It's kind of where that comes from. Oh, I've always wondered yeah, on your uh, Twitter feed. That. I had no idea. I thought you like zombies. I knew like that you're just a big zombie fan. Well, <laughs> let, uh, a conversation for a different day. But yeah, that's one of the reasons why it is that. But yeah, <laughs> interesting. Well, Jennifer, what's your Twitter handle now that we're talking about Twitter? <laughs> um, I believe it's just J Sorry Weather. I kept it real simple, so it'd be easy to find. <laughs> Not very clever. Oh, man. It's I always mean, good to keep it to simple, find. though. Yeah, you can go creative, you can go simple. There's no wrong way to do it. Um, but hey, tell us a little bit more about yourselves and um, I guess what offices you work at and a little bit of history as to how you've come to where you are now. Jen, you want to go first? Uh, sure. Um, I'm in my hometown. I still consider Plainfield, Illinois. We had a F5 tornado back in 1990 and that affected my family and myself. So I guess that's what inspired me to be a meteorologist. And uh, I am now at the National Weather Service of Huntsville, Alabama. And I guess it's kind of just where I am today. And I uh, came from, I was actually born in Southern California, but I've lived in the South for most of my life. So I do say y'all, but I don't say everything that they say in the South. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, Bless your heart. but that kind of just probably what got me into weather um, altogether is because I came from a land of really no weather. Um, up until recently, there's a whole bunch of rain in California now, but there wasn't when I was there. And, uh, and when, so we moved here, and I think in the first week of moving to Texas, I uh, I saw my I didn't see my first tornado, but I was under my first tornado warning, and uh, went from that fear to fascination, fascination to I need to figure out why, and then here I am today. So we're here today basically because you guys do a lot of excellent work in the deaf and hard of hearing communities, and especially have been revolutionary in coming up with this new Sea of Flash Dash and Side campaign. So what kind of background do you have in the deaf and hard of hearing communities or kind of what inspired you to get involved in this area, I guess? Well, we, we've told the story a number of times. It's a really long one, actually, but, <laughs> uh, but uh, we'll try to do the short version. My When I was in high school, 
it started for me when um, I didn't want to take Spanish. And um, I was actually, I was truth be told, I was really into a girl in high school and she was deaf and I couldn't talk to her. And, and uh, so I wanted to try to talk to her somehow. And so I took sign language. Then two years later, um, I had taken four semesters of it and uh, was getting pretty good at it. And then I continued that in college to fulfill my foreign language requirement. And then we also had, I also needed only one more class in order to minor in deaf culture. So the four semesters plus one extra semester of uh, deaf culture, and then you got an extra minor. So I said, hey, why not? I think over the years, just learning the language and, and working with uh, deaf people, uh, just trying to learn the language really altogether was enough for me to kind of fall in love with the culture. Uh, it's extremely expressive. You can learn quite a bit by just trying to immerse yourself in the, cult in the culture. And it helps you in so many different ways, uh, the perspective of how to communicate with others that aren't necessarily hearing or they're not necessarily deaf either. So you, you get a chance to kind of see the world in a different light and uh, I guess try to put yourself in other people's shoes. And it's really easy for me to, um, now that I've worked with so many, to, to see what challenges that they experience on a daily basis. And it makes me, you know, change how I approach communicating weather altogether because, and, and just communicating. Um, I don't like doing presentations with slides because if there's somebody with hearing loss, then I know that it's going to be difficult for them to follow along if they're using ASL. And so I like to be as expressive as I can on stage. But, you know, a lot of those things and those, uh, those traits that I learned just by taking sign language altogether, um, I was able to use that in the professional setting, in the weather setting. And I was not expecting that, but I was hired at uh, the WFO in Nashville as an intern because there was a need for um, somebody to work with the deaf and hard of hearing population because it was just after the May 2010 floods in Nashville and uh, a local deaf advocacy group reached out to the WFO there. And at the time, they didn't have anybody that was you know, able to communicate with them. And, you know, there's always that communication barrier to communication fear. I think those obstacles are there and, and people aren't as willing to, to try. And uh, not to say that they hadn't tried. It's just that it's easier with somebody who has a little background in it. And so they asked me if I would be willing to take on a project of working with the deaf and hard of hearing in, in Nashville. And then fast forward a couple years later, and I'm, I'm serving on the board for the advocacy group in Nashville in my free time. And that's just how much I, I really enjoyed working with the with the people there. And through working with that group, I was able to start some little grassroots efforts at the local WFO there, like leading Skywarn trainings for the deaf and hard of hearing, providing communication access for those talks and things like that. And um, then quickly, uh, the overwhelming response that we got from those made it uh, pretty apparent that, you know, there was work to be done outside of my own WFO. And um, if you're following along, you know, Jen is in Huntsville, which is the WFO just to the south of Nashville. And um, I had known her actually a little bit beforehand, um, just casually. And so I sort of reached out to her and, and asked if she would be interested. And uh, well, I'll let her take up the story over from there. Yeah. So he covered a, a lot of it. But from my interest, uh, my mom taught me a little bit of sign language as a kid because she had uh, a friend when she was younger where uh, the parents were deaf. And so I was always interested in the beauty of the language. And I'm already pretty expressive when I talk. Um, and I wanted to take sign language in high school, but they only had one semester. And, you know, you pretty much needed more than that in high school to fulfill the requirements. So I was always intrigued and wanted, you know, to learn more. And I uh, kind of poked around here and there. And when we ran into a group of deaf and hard of hearing individuals at a weather radio programming event in Huntsville, Alabama, and I'm trying to get through to this group about how to program and, um, you know, like where are you at and what the best you know place to, to be at. 
And I was like, I have to do something more. And it kind of just reignited this passion that I had not only to like learn more sign language, but just to help, you know, those in need and to really reach out deeper within my community that I ever thought I could. That's when Trevor, I knew that he was working on that. And we just started really working together and we're like, we can make something really successful of this. So he helped me figure out on my end in Alabama, how to get started, where I can earn the partners um, to get the classes uh, going and um, pretty much just went on went on from there to, to do what we're doing today. Wow, that's so cool. So I actually did sign language and uh, had deaf culture classes in undergrad and it was my language requirement as well. So this is so cool. I spent like forever trying to figure out how to incorporate weather and deaf culture, but look at that. You guys <laughs> did it. So I, it's just, it's, it's perfect. It's so cool. And I mean, with the hard of hearing community and the deaf and hard of hearing community, you three know how important it is to reach that population. Um, and we have a few statistics here too, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but about 20% of Americans suffer from some kind of hearing damage or loss, right? Which is roughly 48 million. That number comes from the Hearing Loss Association of America. And then by the time people reach the age of 65, one out of three people suffers from some form of hearing loss as well. Um, so those are staggering numbers. A lot of people are affected, but it seems to be something that maybe meteorology has kind of overlooked until recently, it seems like, when we're starting to incorporate these ideas more and more. Yeah, and uh, I, I think there's a number of reasons for why it... I think when you say the statistics, people are like, really? I wouldn't know that. And then you think about, why, why didn't I know that? And with deafness, it's not something you can just see. You know, you don't see people walking around, you just know they're deaf. Um, when you have other sorts of uh, uh, disabilities, for instance, you would have uh, blindness, which a lot of people you need to have some sort of cane or something like that in order for them to uh, navigate. So it's pretty easy to spot them. Um, but when you're just walking around, it you know, deaf person looks like anybody else. So unless they're actually using sign and many don't use sign, then it, it would be, you know, uh, otherwise you wouldn't know. You'd basically be immersed in the, in the uh, culture without even knowing but I think the other thing that's important is uh, not only, and you had mentioned, men that the, at 65, one out of every three people have hearing loss. So there's different types of hearing loss. So there's the hard of hearing and then there's Correct. deaf. And that, those aren't equal. They're different. And um, and so, yeah, you can have late deaf and you could, you could uh, become hard of hearing at a late age, which means you've used English for a long time. And you may still do so. Um, you may just... And you're, you wouldn't even otherwise know it. Um, but then there's people that are born deaf that, you know, aren't really able to utilize the English language very easily at all. And because that there's two types of ways, or, well, there's many different mm -hmm. ways that you can be deaf or have hearing loss in some way, um, there's different needs. And so I think one of the things that we learned, uh, Jen and I learned, even, you know, with the background that we had, is that you can't just make a one-size-fits-all presentation. It doesn't really exist. You you have to be able to uh, accommodate everybody. So if you're doing if you're doing something like a Sky Warner Weather Talk or any presentation, and you're and you're saying, okay, well, I'll just get an ASL interpreter. Well, that's not going to necessarily do because not everybody is the same stage of deafness. Not everybody uses ASL. More than anything, what I think Jen would probably agree is that the more and more that we go out and learn. You know, the more we had these whoops, we didn't consider that because, oops, we're hearing, you know. And because of that, there's a lot of times where we feel kind of, I guess, dumb <laughs> that we should we should have thought of that. And, and that kind of segues into, you know, the see a flash dash sign thing. Um, 
Jen, Jen tells the story pretty good. Yes. I'll let you tell the story about your experience with it. Yeah. So Trevor came down for my first uh, deaf and hard of hearing Skyward Spotter class. And I was, I was super excited. I had about 24 um, deaf and hard of hearing individuals there. Um, my partner, the Alabama, Alabama Department of Rehabilitation Services, um, say that five times fast. Um, they even brought weather radios and strobe lights for um, all of the attendees, you know, going into this, you know, cold feet. And I have a lightning safety slide behind me. And I'm just going along like I do with all the rest of spotter classes. And then the words that just roll off your tongue for all the weather services, when thunder roars, go indoors. And then you have this it's coming off your tongue and there's no taking yeah. it back. So oh, you yeah. might as well just yeah. keep on going with it. And then you have this pure fear look on your face and you're like, I just did yeah. that because your brain is thinking at the same time. And you're like, Oh no, because you're making a presentation. You don't mm -hmm. think about it. And then you think about it as soon as you're saying it. And then they give you this look and you're like, I'm so sorry. I didn't think about, you need to hear the thunder. That's a national slogan. I'm I'm sorry. So then I turned it into an open forum very quickly of mm. how about you tell me what do you do with lightning safety? How do you know that it's unsafe? And then they start like pulling at the hair on their arms or like rubbing their chest and like they can feel it. And I'm like, oh, that's too close. That's not good. You can't wait until you start, yeah, yeah. you know, feel the rumble of thunder or feel like the hair stand up on you. And so I'm like, then then tell me what can we do? What can we do as a weather service in order to understand, you know, or approach us in a different way? Pretty much it was, well, make something new. I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound easy. <laughs> but what we did is um, I got with Trevor and we tried to think of a new logo approach that's more visual and a new slogan that doesn't require your hearing. And then we each had additional classes that we were going to teach. Well, let's put it back in the class and see if you like it or not. Did, is this even relevant to you? Is this even what you were talking about? And so then yes or no. And okay, well, let's improve it. Let's make it better based on your feedback. And then, you know, we started reaching out to um, some of our our other partners in other states. Well, you ask your group, what do, what do they think? And so you got to take something that you, you learn from and improve it. And I start off with every class of, I'm here to learn from you as much as you are from me. We got to work together. Yeah, awesome. um, and I think as long as I'm open with that, then, you know, they're, they're excited about yeah, that's, that. that. I think that's the, the, the most fun and the most frustrating thing at the same time is that we pretty much go out there and say right off the bat, we know that this isn't enough and we're working to do more, but this is what we have and we're learning as we go. Yeah. Um, and as long as we kind of put ourselves out there at the beginning that we acknowledge that we haven't done enough and uh, we're not going to be able to solve everything today, but we want to learn. So we want you to tell us that this is unacceptable. We want you to tell us that this is embarrassing that we don't have that. And going back a little bit about Jen's story about the When, th uh, when Thunder Roars slogan, I actually did that too on my first talk, exactly the same thing, put a slide <laughs> up there, didn't even think about it. And as soon as I said it, the second I said it, I had to, I went wide-eyed and paused. Like I didn't know. I was like, I was like in a nightmare. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that to a bunch of people. And, and of course I'm looking around and I'm being reinforced 
by my fears are being reinforced by the fact that I'm seeing the audience like talk to each other like oh here's this yeah. another hearing guy that um you know didn't get it he just doesn't get it I screwed up and forgot about to tell Jen that <laughs> <laughs> about my experience when she did hers down in in Alabama and so when that slide came up I can't like wave my arms you know in the background and be like don't say it but it occurred to me while she was saying it that I was like I should have said that I should have brought it up so she didn't have that same experience but afterwards and i think i think it's important that you have to have that you have to have that eye-opening literally <laughs> hit you over the head with a hammer experience for to to truly to truly understand the gravity of what you're doing and for you to truly get a, an idea and being able to empathize with their plight and and that's where um we've been able to do up until this point is that now I think all our presentations aren't really, you should do this. It's as important. It's let's put you in the shoes of somebody who has hearing loss and let's try to, let's try to empathize here and let's try to figure out what's going on. So one of the demonstrations we had done actually for that diversity webinar here in the weather service internally is we did a demonstration where we had a broadcaster up on TV and we stripped out all the audio from it and it was just him, um, you know, trying to, somebody, I don't even remember who it was in some part of the country. I don't even know, but he was just doing his typical broadcast, and there was severe weather going on. And all you saw was the captioning. And the captioning is just gibberish, just trash. It does, you can't understand anything about it because it's a live broadcast. And it's a cut-in from wall to wall. And it makes no sense. And the guy is, like, just pointing at this area. And because of everything going on in it, you can't really tell what's going on. So in that presentation, we asked the audience, what is the weather threat? To an audience of meteorologists, what is the weather threat? Yeah. And nobody could tell us what wow. it was. And and it's amazing that as experts in the field who see broadcasts like that every day couldn't tell what even the threat was when we don't have our you know hearing to help us. And that, I think, is the kind of thing we need to we, we sort of evolved our presentations now to to mention that kind of thing, to put you briefly in the shoes of somebody who has hearing loss. So you don't take things for granted. And then you do know that is it important. And I think that's really helped us get to where we are now, because the see a flash dash sign started as a logo and it wasn't our suggestion you know what wasn't an idea we came up with that was something that was suggested to us and then we kind of took that and ran and like jen said it took how long did it take it took like a year and a half to evolve correct yeah for us to get all the final drafts and um testing phase pretty much out to test it a few times and then um and then we also reached out to a, a deaf graphic design artist here in the tennessee valley to help us finalize it since we're not graphic design artists. Yeah, and the really important thing out of all of this uh, is that this was devised and changed and developed by the community that we're trying to serve. This wasn't us trying mm -hmm. to assume what you need and then forcing yeah. it upon the population and the culture. The culture produced it, so that means they can then own it and um, and then you know sell it afterwards and then use it to to kind of get more people to uh, observe that you know the weather service and the weather enterprise altogether. Um, considers this serious and that we want to work to do more things like this in the future. God, you hit the nail on the head when you're saying oh, no, that so you have to start with the community and let them develop something as opposed to the uh, other top-down approach where we're shoving an idea down everyone's throats and saying, hey, you have to be comfortable with this. And, you know, even if you have feedback, eh, we might listen to it, we might not. But it's really refreshing to hear that you guys had such an impact in bringing this community together and they had an impact on you guys in telling you like this is what we need this is what we're in desperate need of and what can we do together to develop a campaign
when you guys go to these meetings and trainings and stuff like that, what kind of feedback have you gotten so far on the Sea of Flash Dash Inside campaign, um, both maybe positive and negative? I, I think initially we had a little bit of, uh, I think some of the more traditionalists that really like the Wind Thunder Roars or, or people that actually were part of the decision to come up with that slogan thought that maybe it was an attack on their slogan. Uh. Like, what's wrong with it? Okay. And the way that uh, I remember I was at the Weather Warnings Communications Conference and uh, I talked to somebody, I guess, who helped develop the slogan. And he said, you know, the why are you going through this? And I and, I, and he said, are you trying to replace the slogan? I'm like, no, no, not at, not at all. The slogan, everybody knows. There's no I wouldn't want to come up and reinvent the wheel. It's just to include another group of people because whether you meant it or not which i know you didn't mean it it's just inadvertently ostracizing an entire group of people mm -hmm. and because of that i consider this to be a companion to when thunder wars come to mm -hmm. go indoors right. it's not a replacement of any kind but the one thing that i think the slogan has going for it is that it's the secondary means of communicating the, the lightning threat the logo is the important thing mm -hmm. because we started out with the slogan and then it was the feedback of the uh the deaf and hard of hearing cult uh, across the different states that said we would like to have some sort of visual logo or symbol that illustrates lightning safety and that's what it re really resonated with me is because we do that with everything we have slogans for ever we have uh, logos for everything we have symbols for everything and when you look at it you know exactly what it is the second you see it that's the key point the slogan you know you can take it or leave it in the end when it comes to it but if you look at the logo with the with the little stick figure running into the house because lightning's hitting a tree, yeah. you know, that's all it is. And then you essentially go, oh, yeah, okay, there's lightning, I need to go indoors. That's all it is. And that that's, the I think, the really powerful thing of the message is that whether you're deaf and hard of hearing, you're an English speaker, or if you're a Spanish speaker, if you're a, you're a French speaker, you know what that means. It's very simple to understand. Exactly. And that's the absolute beauty of it. If it tell, You can just look at it. Even like blank out the words. What do I need to mm -hmm. do? And mm -hmm. it, it shows you. It doesn't, doesn't matter. And the other neat thing was with feedback from the community was putting the like vibration symbols coming mm -hmm. from right. the, uh, the cloud. Cool. And so it was like, how do you get like the, the sign language of like the vibration mm -hmm. and um, kind of put it in like a visual art form to show like you would never know and you know it doesn't you know really make a difference that it's you know from that group or for that group no but just another visual aid for somebody um and so i'm just extremely proud of all the people that really helped put in the work to get this done from weather service side to all those that provide feedback in the deaf and hard of hearing community to get this to to where it is yeah and, and you had mentioned uh, what kind of other feedback we've gotten at that same conference i had one of my personal heroes gina yasko um she <laughs> basically came up to me and said, we have to do more. We have, I, I did not realize that there was such a communication barrier and how many people there were. You had mentioned the statistic before, mm -hmm. um, 48 million people. She said there's 48 million people that may not necessarily be getting lightning safety or really understanding what it is and, or, or worse, not getting weather information altogether. Because if you think about it, it's not just if we step away from lightning, um, Warning notifications altogether, 99% of them require your hearing in order to receive them. And and then there's a whole, what about at night? How do you get woken yes. up because of a weather threat? You know, you have to hear something. And and, and so it, it wasn't just the slogan that really hit home. I, I think it what it was is, you know, the presentation started with the slogan, broke down the literal translations. And, and Castle, you know, if you if you took deaf culture, that uh, yeah. the bound 
verb uh, noun order is different. Mm -hmm. And so when you do when thunder roars go indoors, it quite literally translates to something that makes almost no sense. Right. Because there's no sign for some of those things. Like roars, for instance, there's not really a sign for it. And there's a sign for thunder, but the sign, if you if you know what the sign for thunder is, it it's your index finger from your ear that makes a lightning symbol, kind of like a like a zigzag. Mm -hmm. And then you make two fists and you shake them back and forth to illustrate the thunder. So right off the bat, lightning has no sound component to it in the sign. It's all visual. And so right off the bat, the word the first word completely contradicts the entire slogan. So I approached it from that standpoint and then people are good oh well now i understand and then once you start getting into well that's just one thing that's lightning safety now let's talk about all the different weather threats that there are and let's start diagnosing where we can start improving and uh there's a really good youtube video um from from an individual a deaf individual in norman oklahoma after uh, i think it's the may 2013 mm -hmm. uh tornadoes and uh he went around interviewing deaf people in the city of norman oh, wow. and uh and they were just talking about how all the information they were getting came from no traditional sources. They came from word of mouth. They came from, you know, their husbands or wives that were either hearing or had uh, were at oh, work yeah, and had hearing yeah. friends. Mm -hmm. their, their friends who were next to a radio and then told them just, you know, knew enough to had enough awareness to say, oh, hey, you know, this is what's happening. You should probably let your family know. Um, in that same video, somebody had mentioned that um, that uh, they had let their wife know via text message that there's a tornado coming, and she left her house, uh, got in her car, and left because she had no training and had no uh, understanding of what to do during a tornado or have any idea where it was. Even if she was to go, she couldn't hear anything about it. She didn't hear the storm going on. So you know, it's those are the type of things that the, the lightning safety is the tip of the iceberg. It, there's a whole lot mm -hmm. of of places that we can really improve. And uh, I think that's really the overwhelming thing that Jen and I have sort of be, we wanted to tackle an issue and didn't realize it was the issue that it is. So with the deaf and hard of hearing community, then it seems like they really rely on social networks to mm -hmm. warn them or let them know when there's severe weather, either you said a spouse might let them know or a coworker might let them know. Have you guys uh, started, I, I know you said the, you know, lightning safety at the tip of the iceberg, but have you guys started looking at um, other ways of disseminating warning information like the weather radio yes. or the text alert or a phone alert and, and how we can incorporate um, more factors that can help this community as opposed to, like you said, if you're sleeping at night and you have nocturnal storms and tornadoes and people rely so heavily on the, the listening and audio aspect of your warning device, how do we reach that population if they don't have that social network there to help them out? There are attachments for the weather radios um, and, mm -hmm. you know, like the strobe lights and the, and the shakers. Okay. And my my partners really do try to get grant money in order to get those items to pass them out in our class so they can walk away with an education and an item that will help them be even more weather ready than when they first okay. came. Yeah. And uh, we didn't know that actually when, when we first reached you out to the something. population, we didn't know that there was attachments for strobe lights and, and, and bed shakers. And um, when we first reached out to the population, or at least in my experience in Nashville, the first thing that the number one complaint is captioning on broadcast um, channels. Mm. And Jen and I are both weather yes. service employees. So there's nothing we can do about that other than, you know, share right. that with our broadcast partners. Um, but the number two thing is how do I get warning information? And this started before we existed, the uh, wireless emergency alerts. And those have done a lot of good, uh, especially for the hard of hearing population, because many of them can read English fairly well. But 
it still misses the fully functionally deaf that use ASL because those while it say it might say tornado alert, there's really no context to any of that. Um, I think it says check local media. Well, how's that going to help them if they get, if they have no captioning or and if the captioning is poor? And unfortunately, the answer to that is ASL. That's how they that's how they communicate. And how are you supposed to fit in an ASL? you know, communicator into something like a WIA message. It's not an easy solution. Mm-hmm. So some of the things that we've been able to do is try to be innovative in how we approach it. And uh, as Jen mentioned, uh, partnering with state agencies that might have funds necessarily for uh, serving underserved communities. And those exist more often than you think. It's just that the organizations don't know how to use that money a lot of the time, and they're looking for an opportunity. So if you come to them with this idea in your state, there's a very real possibility that, that they have you know resources to actually make that happen. And Jen has been able to do that with a whole state of Alabama, not just in Huntsville so far. And um, I'm trying to do kind of the same thing here in Texas, but it's a you know much bigger state. So there's a, <laughs> there's a lot to do. And uh, there's, what, 13 offices or something like that in this, in this state. So there's a lot of coordination taking place. So I'm trying to start at the Texas School for the Deaf, since it's the state residential school that has the uh, mm-hmm. such a large population, and trying to see if we can experiment with things like uh, you know maybe having canned messaging, or maybe they know of a partner or a nonprofit that might be able to translate that kind of thing, or you know trying to figure out where we can utilize our Weather Ready Nation ambassadors using our partners in ways that you know we can actually do some good, and and uh, and we've already kind of done that. We we were able to put together a a translation video in ASL uh, captioned and also in spoken English for programming a weather radio. And that's on the Weather Ready Nation webpage under the Deaf and Hard of Hearing section. And uh, that was a, if you look at the end of the video, it was, I think, uh, eight different agencies that were part of it. So it's a massive coordination for just a well, awesome. two minute long video. Um, but but it when you get your partners together and, and you sit them down and, you know, illustrate the need and and then get the resources from one place and then have the content matter experts from another and the video recording software from another. Uh, you can make some really good stuff happen. So that the key, I think we, the first thing we put down on what, how can you do it where you are is partnerships. Get to know the people in your state that do this, that serve that population. And then they can make things happen for you. We're just the ones that deliver the weather information. They're the ones that communicate it. Trevor, I use that video when people call to ask me how to program the Midland 120EZ. I just send them to the video because I rather mm-hmm. look at the video since it has, you know, the, the captioning, the sign language, spoken English. I rather watch the video than read a page paper on how to program it. Absolutely. So it don't it doesn't matter who you oh, are. Yeah. I rather send my mom to the, the video. Yes. <laughs> and and this is and this is this, not just weather radio programming. It's anything, any weather information, any information. Uh, if you ask somebody who's a fully functionally deaf that uses ASL, they would prefer there to be an ASL translation um, if possible. And so we're kind of going through that mentality is if that's possible, if that's something that can be done, then we'd like to be able to make that happen for them. And so Jen and I are currently working on a project with the, the National Weather Service headquarters to make a deaf and hard of hearing national webpage for, for weather safety altogether, not mm-hmm. just lightning. And uh, we don't have a lot of content right now because, you know, it's sort of grassroots and, and trying to build. But uh, but the thing is that we're, we're really pushing hard for there to be an ASL person on every page. We, we'd like there to be somebody that kind of says, this information will help you with this, this blah, 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 blah. And you can find this here. And, and um, it'd be really helpful for the population to utilize it that way. 
Wow, that's that's awesome. Um, so we've been kind of talking about like forms of communication and that sort of thing. So I'm curious, a regular individual could call up like the National Weather Service and ask them a question about next week's weather or an event coming up or that sort of thing. Is there any plans to have some like a form of communication for the deaf and hard of hearing communities like texting to the NWS offices or anything like that? Right now, a lot of people just use it, utilize the phone in the deaf and hard of hearing community. They utilize what's right. called video relay services or VRS. Yeah. And uh, that's essentially they jump on a webcam on their TV or their computer or on their phone and they dial a number and it goes through an intermediary. And that person is an ASL interpreter. And then they connect with whoever that is on the phone that's hearing. And that person will converse with the intermediary in English and they will translate them that to the person on the other end of the phone. So that, I know Jen has met, mentioned she has taken a couple calls in that, in that way. Um, I've taken about a dozen calls at the office, especially oh, wow. after some of our classes. I have programmed two other radios. And so the, the poor <laughs> translator was like, I have no idea what we're doing, but we got it done. And, you know, I've also trained my staff. I'm like, there will be awkward pauses in between. Don't hang mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. They're talking to each other. They're not talking to you. So I've definitely mm -hmm. talked to my staff about this is a different phone call, but it's your community member that could be right down the road. Right. And otherwise, uh, we do have methods of being able to communicate with the Weather Service now that we didn't as recently as like 2011 with Twitter. So there, there mm -hmm. is an opportunity for yes. you to utilize some things that are used in the, in the community like social media. And so when we do Skywarn trainings, for instance, the method that we typically suggest for that population is either a web form, um, like a submit a storm report via the web or to, or to utilize social media, um, in order to submit reports and, um, they use smartphones just like anybody else would. And so they can take a picture right. and send it to uh, whichever office. It's just been educating them what those, what those resources are and how they can ask a question or how they can do anything like that. And I think so far that's been the most popular way for them to get a, a reach us. I know that many times I try to put hashtag deaf um, on anything deaf related, even from the NWS San Antonio Twitter account. And uh, on more than one occasion, we've gotten followers that, um, have that in their profile, like hashtag deaf or might be an advocate or some kind. So, um, especially when we periodically put out the PSA, the lighting safety PSA that's in ASL or the, the radio training, um, or the radio instruction that we always get a couple followers, um, especially in the Austin area because we have, you know, such a huge population here. So we, we definitely have opened up that line of communication for sure. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, this is awesome. So many things that I'm learning. I have this whole thing, this whole podcast. I've learned so many new things about the resources out there and the strides that we're making in the deaf and hard of hearing community. So um, it's been great. And do you guys have anything else to add or other resources that you think that our listeners should know about? Hmm. Well, the I, there's one thing I think is pretty important. There's a lot of people that understand that ASL is the preferred method, but they think that uh, captioning and text is the bare minimum. They think that that's acceptable as a, as uh, a bare minimum. And the only way that I've had success explaining this is trying to explain to a hearing person how you learned how to read. The way that, the way that you approach it when you, you know, we've all been to kindergarten or whatever, and you see that strip on all the classrooms that has all the letters, and then there's a picture associated with something that starts with that letter, like A, apple, and then there's next to it's like B, mm -hmm. and it's, you know, a banana or something. So what you do from the beginning is you go A, and then how you learn with that, how to use that letter is your teacher says 
A sounds like a uh, or ah or apple, you know, apple, A. Mm-hmm. So from the beginning of you learning how to read, you're hearing a sound associated with it. And that's what phonetics is, sounding out a word. Everybody uses that. Everybody tries to use phonics in order to uh, learn how to read. Now imagine if you're deaf, you've never heard anything before, and you're trying to approach learning how to read in the same way. How are you going to even be able to do it? If they say it sounds like this, sounds like that, you're never going to be able to know what it sounds like. So what you're doing as a deaf person is you're essentially looking at a symbol, and that symbol is not unlike hieroglyphics. That symbol represents an idea, an image. So when you are looking at a word, it's not a you know something that you've sounded out. It's something, an order that you've memorized in order for it to trigger a thought. And it's a completely different process. So it only makes sense that when you see a... Now, now, now if you think what I just said and look at a scrolling bar at the bottom of the screen and how fast it comes across, do you really think that the retention is going to be equal just because it's there? Just because you have text? No way. Yeah. So you have to understand what each set of words are. And what if you've never seen that word before? You don't even have a concept to put or put around that word. Mm-hmm. You didn't sound it out. It doesn't sound like another word. So things like uh, context clues don't even factor in because you've never even seen that assemblage of letters before. And so it's extremely difficult for a fully functionally deaf person to read to the level that we read every day. And we take that for granted. And so when it comes to, can we just have a scroll bar, will that do? No, it won't. If you want people to really understand the threat, you have to talk to them in their language and you have to talk to them in a way that is understood to them. And just like we're talking right now and we can understand everything, if you were if you were born learning Spanish and you never heard English before and you said, well, English is the only way you're going to get that information because it's the easiest for us to do it, that's not going to be an acceptable answer. And as such, I, I, I think it's the same thing. We need to figure out and seriously figure out how we can communicate cost effectively and everything because it's just not acceptable that to communicate only in English. So that's my little soapbox thing. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we welcome it. We welcome it. Yeah, always. Well, even going on the uh, communicating effectively, even like the more visuals and less text on like some of our presentations, it's not just our, you know, that presentation that can benefit from it. It's pretty much anyone. And the way that, you know, you, you know, them make eye contact and interact with some people. Some of these lessons I've, you know, learned from um, all these classes and um, just opportunities I've relayed into my daily life. And it's like, don't say that, well, I'm not going to do it because it's hard. Do it because it is challenging and because it Mm -hmm. is interesting and because it can open up a whole new world and that you're helping a different part of your community that you may not have been able to reach before and just open up, you know, the the minds of some of those around you um, of like, well, I never thought about that before. And if I made you think I never thought about that before, then I've done my job today. Yeah. And from a from a young professional standpoint, not even just the deaf and hard of hearing, but we can use it as an example. A lot of people, every conference I go to, and I think maybe even men, you've asked me this at a conference before is, you know, if you're an aspiring meteorologist and you're trying to come in with all these people that are very good at meteorology, that we were flooded with people that have degrees in meteorology that are very competent at it. How do you set yourself aside or how do you make yourself special? Um, how do you make yourself unique and stand out in the field? And I would have never thought that 
my ASL background would have evolved into a career defining thing for me. But mm-hmm. do a thing that you like or you love and find a way for it to translate into the weather. I think I've seen this in many different ways. We, in our cases, it's definitely our hearing, but in another case, I know of a, a friend of mine in, in Nashville that um, is a meteorologist, but was a former uh, football player. And now he's doing lightning safety for NCAA football stadiums. Find a way to make what you yeah. do part of your job. And not only will you enjoy it more, but you will be the only one doing it. And then you get to plow your own direction and define, you know, an entire path for the uh, weather enterprise. And that's pretty special to do. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, it, it's been this kind of, I don't know, we didn't ask for this, but it's, it's been kind of a humbling experience when a lot of people from other parts of the country are sending us emails about how do we do this? And I don't know the answer because we haven't gone there before, but they're, we're, we're associated with being um, the folks that have the most experience with it. And so that, that's sort of a, it's, it's a really humbling thing because we don't know the answer to everything and we want to help everybody, but Jen and I are hearing, so <laughs> we don't, we don't yeah. know everything <laughs> yeah. and know the best way to approach it. But uh, the fact that we're open-minded about it really helps. And then the fact that I think the really encouraging thing is that, our leaders in, in the weather service have been extremely helpful with this. They've been they've been just as open minded and they've been able to enable us to to really make some good work done. So if it's if there's anything to be said about you know what Jen and I have been able to accomplish, it's only been because of the support that we've had thus far um, from our colleagues and, and our superiors too. Awesome stuff, uh, Castle. Do you have anything else to add? I don't. I would just say keep up the great work. Um, it's fantastic and amazing. So. Yeah, it's uh when we first learned about this, we were blown away and hearing you guys talk again about all of this stuff, it blows us away again, just knowing the great work that you guys have. Also once you mentioned the support you have from the National Weather Service and your yeah. colleagues and you know, other forecasters and meteorologists around the country who want to be a part of this and, and understand the need for it too. Um, so we'll definitely be in contact and uh, anytime there's any updates or any more information you want to provide, you're more than welcome to come back on the show. Yeah, we'd love to Thank have you. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, we, we really, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that you have many guests that say, thanks for letting us be on the show, but really, thanks for taking an interest in this. I mean, it, it it's something that a lot of times, and it's frustrating for, uh, when you're especially at a grassroots effort, you're trying to say this is important and not many people listen, but, uh, you know, it's folks like yourselves that are, you know, listening around the Weather Enterprise, not just what we're doing, but everybody's doing, and giving us, like, an opportunity to share what is important, and so... You know, well, we thank you for giving us an opportunity to kind of share what we've been able to do. And, and maybe maybe just even if it's just one more person out there goes, hey, I got an idea. I want to do something with that. Then, you know, they've helped. Someone exactly. really enjoyed that interview it helped me like get back into my frame of mind of being in class um learning american sign language and deaf culture and it really helped me like walk through back walk through back (laughs) walk back through (laughs) walk back through american sign language and actually get it on my mind again what about you how was that for you no i Again, this is not something I'm really experienced in, and part of the podcast, the point of it is to learn new things, and I definitely felt like I learned so much information. Um, I didn't even know that there was attachments that you could buy for your weather radio for yeah. those who are in the deaf and hard of hearing community. Uh, the 
blinking lights that definitely makes sense i had to actually mm-hmm. during the podcast google what a bed shaker was i had no idea oh, yeah. what that yeah. meant but i mean yeah i guess it intuitively means like it shakes your bed to wake you up or to get your attention mm-hmm. um yeah. but i never even thought of about the fact that you have people who are you know in that community they have their spouses and other people who kind of tell them the information because there's really not a effective way other means i guess of getting that information besides someone that you know telling you what's going to happen or telling you about a severe weather alert or an event Mm -hmm. so that was something that i really took away from it but also just the amazing work that jennifer and and trevor are doing and like i said during the interview it was great and to see them so humbled by the amount of attention that they've gotten for the great work that they've been doing um i think is great and speaks volumes about who they are and the passion they have to really make a positive difference in the world. And that's the kind of stuff we need more of, you know? Yeah. And I especially love like Trevor's takeaway message at the end was making yourself different, but also having fun with it, like doing something that you enjoy and combining it with weather in order to make your life more fun and your job more fun, but also carving out your own unique path so that you can figure out the weather enterprise from your own perspective. I think this whole podcast has been about looking at the world in a different perspective. So we were taking on the perspective of deaf and hard of hearing individuals so that we can see how weather information is communicated from that perspective. And I think having your own perspective is another takeaway from this podcast. So shifting gears a little bit, we have an exciting announcement to tell you guys about. We are going to be taking part in National Weather Podcast Month. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Cue enthusiastic music. Cue (laughs) applause. So pretty much there are going to be a lot of weather podcasts that are coming together for the month of March. And we are going to be um, broadcasting from our own studios, I guess, and sharing our perspective collectively to raise awareness about the fact that you know, a lot of podcasts out there are dedicated to weather and the many facets of what the weather enterprise and weather community has to offer. And this isn't just about, you know, the people that are meteorologists. This is about people who just like to learn new information. And collectively, we all have so much to offer. So we want to get the word out there and and tell people about it. So we are coming up with a uh, logo, actually, that we already made. And uh, we're going to have some uh, press releases we're going to send out to the media and also word of mouth, you know, Uh, join us throughout all of March. We'll be uh, guest hosting a lot of great people on our show. And also we're going to be the guests on other podcasts as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to raise awareness not only for all the different weather podcasts in our community, but weather in general, being able to understand that we shouldn't target our audience to these target groups of only meteorologists or just weather enthusiasts. We need to kind of branch off and see how we as a community can bring in new people and get them excited about the weather and how it impacts them. Let me see if I can find a list of all the podcasts that are participating. So I found the list of the podcasts that are going to be taking part. Uh, Stormfront Freaks. Uh, what is it about the weather? Weather hype, which is us. Obviously. Ice Station Houseman. Um, and then there's Carolina Weather Group. And what else is there? And there's Weather, weather junkies, junkies, Tornado Talk, Weather Brains. Weather Brains. So we're going to have a bunch. Yeah, it's a great group. Yay. So we're really excited. And uh, this is going to be the first one, first uh, weather podcast uh, month that we're going to have. 
and we look forward to having more in the future, but we're going to have to get through this one first. <laughs> you say that in such a negative way. No, like, I don't mean We it have like to that. get through the first one to continue on. No, what I meant to say is we can't, we can't plan for the next one until we get through this one. You know what I meant. I know what you meant, but it was your intonation that said otherwise. <laughs> intonation, blah. Stop stealing my words. <laughs> but another reason why we collectively chose March is because it's severe weather month for a lot of states. So we're hoping to both raise awareness for the weather enterprise and yeah, for the general yeah. publics and be a very good weather-ready nation ambassadors, as we both are. Right. Wait, can we sign up Weather Hype as a weather-ready nation ambassador? We should do that. Oh, that's what I was wondering. Let's be the first podcast to do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm down. We could put the seal on it and stuff and everything. I mean, it's not about the seal, but it's about getting the information out there. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah, it's too. not about the acclaim. Ugh. All right, want to wrap it up? So, as always, you can find us in a variety of places, including weatherhypepodcast.com or facebook.com slash weatherhype. You can also find us on Twitter at weatherhype, both words, weather and hype. Or you can send us an email at weatherhype at gmail.com. Reviews are awesome. And if you'd like to leave a review of our podcast, feel free to do so on uh, iTunes or your Google Android app and any other app that you can find our podcast on. And if you have any questions or things that might have come up earlier in the podcast, you can definitely tweet at either Jennifer or Trevor using their Twitter handles that they mentioned during the episode. Or you can visit our website and we will have links to everything discussed as well as their contact information. Yes, sir. Sounds good. So until next time. Yeah, until National Podcast Month. (laughs) Yeah, National Weather Podcast Month. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) That too. (laughs) Just National Podcast. Whatever podcast you want to listen to. Whatever. This American Life. Oh, Ira Glass. Okay. Oh, I was so cool. I want to meet Me him. Me too. Uh, Maybe we can have him on the show. I think that could work. I think we could arrange that. Maybe we should contact them about National Weather Podcast Month. Ooh, that's a good idea. They could do a story yeah, on it. why not? We can be on This American Life, This Meteorologist American Life. <laughs> I'm Myra Glass. <laughs> I'm Myra Glass on today's episode. I can't, I can't do his voice. He just has a really unique, cool voice. Yeah, I think you should just stop. I'm sorry, Ira. Don't hate me. <laughs> I really like at the end of every This American Life how he uses a quote from earlier in the podcast to make a funny yeah, joke. Yeah, it's that. so funny. I love it. I love it. I listened to a um, This American Life uh, podcast on my way driving back up to North Carolina, and it was about the um, coincidences and how they compiled. Ooh, I remember that. Yeah, that one was good. That one was with um, Sarah Koenig, who does Serial, who was also on NPR stuff. Um, she was filling in, but that was such, it was so goofy and funny and just, oh, I loved it. That was my favorite one I've listened to in a long time, but, uh, yeah, this American life is great and NPR. Hey. All right. So anyway, until next time, (laughs) until next time, stay Stay hyped. hyped. Both Jen and Trevor have worked with the deaf and hard of hearing communities, and we're happy to have them on our show to share their perspective. <laughs> that was some weird intonation. I was trying to switch it up. To share their perspective. <laughs> to share their perspective. Well, I was trying to, I was going to say like to walk in their shoes, but I was like, no, that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no.